Welcome to Notes from Above, the program that explores the intersection of music and faith. And I am your co-host, Deacon Tom Lowy. And I'm Sister Sarah Burdick. And this is going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it very much. Today we're going to be uh, exploring the music of uh, Gregorian chant. And, uh, and we have a very special guest with us today. Um, our, our guest is uh, Dr. Jennifer Donaldson Nowicka, who is a, a, a professor and director of sacred music at St. Patrick's Seminary in Menlo Park, California, and she's live with us. I'll give a little bit of a, a background on, on her so uh, you might get a sense of um, who she is, and, and, uh, and I think that will help to spark this conversation. Um, Dr. Donaldson is uh, a um, associate professor, director of sacred music, St. Patrick's uh, Seminary in Menlo Park, California, and uh, she is um, a prolific author. Uh, her publications uh, include articles in the New Catholic Encyclopedia, Sacred Music, Antiphon, Journal for Liturgical Renewal. I could go on. She serves on the board of the um, uh, the Catholic um, uh, uh, Music Association of uh, America. And uh, she's the, the managing editor of their journal, which is called Sacred Music, and is a regular member of the faculty uh, uh, of the, their annual Sacred Music colloqu- uh, Colloquium. rather. And um, she's also going to be um, a member of a panel uh, that's going to, a panel discussion on sacred music that's going to occur uh, in the Ann Arbor area. Um, and it's going to be on uh, November the 5th uh, at uh, 2 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. Uh, I shouldn't mention that admission is going to be free for that. Um, and it's sponsored by the St. Cecilia Guild of St. Thomas the Apostle Church in Ann Arbor. But um, I'm talking too much. Uh, I think we need to go and get uh, Dr. Jennifer on. I on agree. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Jennifer. Welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Well, we uh, we opened with uh, a Salve Regina, which I think many people know. I know that uh, when we we pray during Compline, uh, my wife and I actually do sing that at the end of of the, the uh, of the prayer session. So many people are familiar with it. Let's talk about uh, Gregorian chants and sacred music. Um, and I guess the question that I want to go and ask right off the bat is, what is uh, you know, from your understanding, what is sacred music? Well, I'd prefer to defer to the church's understanding of sacred music. Okay, that's great. <laughs> and um, there's some really helpful principles given to us, especially by Pope Pius X in a 1903 document, Charles Solitudini, and it's a motu proprio. Um, and as such, as a motu proprio, um, we know that that's given of the Pope's own will, and it could technically change. But what we saw with what he outlined in that document is that every single Pope up through um, Pope Francis still iterating all of the things that he said in that document, especially in the first six paragraphs. There's some things later on in the document that have changed. And they found their way into every um, papacy and especially in the Second Vatican Council. And uh, Pope Pius X synthesizes the church's experience of sacred music. And that's really the Holy Spirit guiding uh, the handing on of tradition through scripture, through the liturgy, through the creative impulses of artists who want to dedicate their life to God by making beautiful things for the church. And what he says is that sacred music has to have three basic uh, qualities. And without those things, it shouldn't be at the liturgy. And the first one, he says, is that it should be holy. Mm. And um, we can think of holy kind of not just in a moral sense of living uprightly, you know, although he does say, you know, that um, people who sing at mass should be living an upright life. But 
holiness is something that puts us into contact with God. Mm-hmm. When I hear this music, I feel like I can enter into prayer. I feel like I'm drawn outside of myself. And so it's not mm-hmm. just about me dwelling with my own thoughts, but I'm in the presence of God. Amen. And so the text, how the music sounds, how it's um, sung, all of those things should be holy. He also says that it has to be true art. And we could think of that as beautiful. And sometimes, you know, um, we, we probably have all had an experience where the music is, for one reason or another, not as beautiful as it could be at Mass. And it feels a little distracting. Mm-hmm. And he says that when music lacks beauty, it doesn't have the capacity for exercising on people's minds and hearts the intention that the church has in allowing sacred music as part of our worship. And what is that purpose? He says it's twofold. First and foremost, the glory of God. Mm-hmm. When we sing at Mass, anything we sing at Mass is first and foremost to glorify and praise God. And secondly, I receive all that I need for my sanctification and edification, which he says is the second purpose of sacred music. That flows from my act of worship, my gift of self, my lending of my voice, the beauty that we create in sacred music, being glorifying, uh, oriented towards God, then everything that I need for my sanctification and edification flows from that. It's kind of, it always reminds me of the, the scriptures, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. And he says that, that those two, um, qualities in music, it's holiness, it's beauty. Those are things that are kind of built into the natural human person, our natures. Mm-hmm. Every person has the capacity to mm-hmm. perceive and enter into those things. And because of that, sacred music is therefore universal. Mm-hmm. And I think we can experience that too when we go visit another culture. We might see something beautiful or hear something beautiful. And it might be from even a non-Christian religion. And we we don't understand maybe even the language, but there's something about it that feels transcendent, mm-hmm. that is beautiful, and that I'm able to enter into. Well, he says that the Catholic Church has that in, in a very model way in the music of the Roman Rite, the native music of the Roman Rite, the Gregorian chant, that when you hear it, it sounds prayerful, puts you in contact with God. Um, especially when it's sung well, it has an objective beauty so that I can enter into the worship of God. And every person has the capacity of entering into those things, regardless of their age, their background, their learning, where they're from, what language they speak. Wow. So I think that you really spoke to that very well. So it must be holy, it has to be true art, and it has to be universal. Mm-hmm. And within that is a, is a transcendence, uh, an objective beauty. And I, that's an interesting subject all by itself, that, that something would have an objective beauty. Because mm-hmm. we often live in a world where preference is, is uh, given the, the highest order, but that's not the way it works in the church. Right. And I think this is an important thing for Catholics to understand. For example, the phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, is not a Catholic saying. Mm. There are both subjective, sure, mm-hmm. absolutely, subjective elements to experiencing beauty. But there are also objective things. Because if there's nothing objective, um, you know, we wouldn't notice what we do notice. And that is, for example, if something is really amazingly beautiful, it draws people to it. 
yes. regardless of, of how I experience it versus how you experience. Mm-hmm. There's something in the thing itself mm-hmm. that allows us to enter into it. And then, yes, we can reflect on it in our personal experience of it. But mm-hmm. there's something in, in the, in the um, beautiful object itself that is existing independent of my experience of it. And thanks be to God, because that is the thing that allows me to get outside of my own head, outside Mm. of my own woundedness, my worries, my fears. This is a real gift of sacred music, that it's something Mm. outside of myself that I can enter into. And Mm. it becomes a tool for me to say with the disciples to our Lord, Lord, teach me how to pray. It's not just about how I feel, the mm-hmm. things I want to say. Yes, absolutely, I bring those to God. But he draws me outside of myself into him. And sacred music forms me. True mm-hmm. sacred music is not just something that I choose because I like it. I can learn to like it and learn to love it. But it's a formational process in the same way that learning to pray with real contact entering into the presence of God is really something that we can learn and we have to learn throughout our lifetimes as Christians. Wow. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, I, I, as I was listening to you, I'm thinking about beauty, um, is a, uh, uh, it's, it's hard for me to understand sometimes how it is independent of myself. Okay. And perhaps I just can't separate myself from <laughs> myself, but, uh, but this idea that, that, uh, and I agree. I, th- I think there are, there are, it cannot be denied. Beauty cannot be denied. It is something that, that captures us and, and, and takes our hearts and, and just fills us with an understand. Beauty comes from God, obviously. And, and so we understand that, that this is a God-given, uh, moment in our lives. And, uh, it is, it is remarkable. Um, now, Dr. Jennifer, maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, Gregorian chant as well. Uh, it is mm-hmm. obviously the music of the church, okay? It has a, a fairly deep history. Uh, maybe you can uh, give us a little understanding of, of how it uh, how it came to be, how it progressed. Yeah, if I had to give you the like Cliff Notes version of yeah, this. Yeah, I think we're going to have to, yeah, right. <laughs> um, the Gregorian chant grew up with the liturgy, and it is essentially the native musical language of the Roman Rite. It started as, you know, we don't really know too much about the re- the very ancient origins of it because this was entirely handed down by ear and by memory. So there's not a lot of written record. Sure. It's, it's clear that it has some sort of link to, um, you know, Jerusalem, the Middle East, the origins of Christianity. Sure. But what we can say more objectively is that there was um, a lived musical practice in Rome and that during the seventh century, there was kind of like a filling out of that musical practice such that we had something to sing for every liturgy, every day of the liturgical year. And um, the uh, empire up north in formation, the Holy Roman Empire, Charles Martel, mm-hmm. Pepin, and then their grandson, um, uh, uh, Charlemagne, who eventually in the year 800 was crowned um, uh, Holy Roman Emperor, they became really interested in unifying their empire through adopting the way that Rome did the liturgy. That included taking the Roman liturgy as it was celebrated in Rome up to the center of the empire. And that included the music. So there was a bishop, Crotogong of Metz, <laughs> 
Crotagon is a really great, <laughs> great name. I love it. Um, uh, and he came down for a couple of months. He was really interested in like the Benedictine way of doing things, but he was also interested in the Roman way of doing things. So he came out and hung out with the Roman Scola Cantor, the choir of singers, the Pope's singers, for a couple months. And he accompanied Pope Stephen II back up to um, see the king and um, and said, okay, this is how they sing in Rome. Let's do that here. And the musicians there said, ah, oh, well, you know, we have our own way of doing things. And so what ended up happening was they mixed that Franco-Gallican way up north of doing it with the Roman way. And that is what we know of as Gregorian chant. And it was spread throughout the empire through the establishment of norms under the uh, rule of Charlemagne, and especially through, for example, the um, choir school in Metz. Like if you were a choir director you had to, in the Roman Empire, you had to go and learn how to sing there. And so that um, means that they had a really remarkably unified repertory that was then spread throughout all of the Holy Roman Empire. Wow. Wow. So that's very interesting. There's a... Um you know, I know that the church was uh, clandestine for for many centuries, actually, and and but there's there comes a point when it no longer is hidden. It is it's open and it, it's it's um, universal. And uh, this this um, change in in terms of how uh, uh, our liturgies uh, were going to be uh, understood uh, it's just is remarkable. It's like this, you can see God's hand in that um, very much. Well, you know, we are t- we've been talking about Gregorian chant, and um, with our next selection, I, I would like to go and, and have you perhaps give us a setup, and then we'll play it. Uh, but uh, the the Puranatus uh, uh, introitus uh, is from the uh, Misa Tertia in Nativitate Domini. Um, uh, perhaps you could go in and let uh, our audience know a little bit about what this piece might be and, and how they might want to listen to it. Yeah, sure. So there are four different mass formularies for Christmas. Okay. We can think of, you know, the uh, vigil mass. You know, a lot of parishes, that's the mass that all the families go to. There's midnight mass. Um, there's also what's called the mass at dawn and then the mass of the day. And each of them has a different set of proper texts, texts which are, you know, proper to that mass. And they all highlight different aspects of what we experience at Christmas. So, for example, the Vigil Mass um, is the texts are, today you will know that the Lord is coming and will save you. Okay, Mm -hmm. so this is kind of like a preview. And then at at midnight, we see the text, um, the Lord said to me, you are my Lord. So this, this kind of dialogue in the womb of the Father, like between the Father and the Son. And then we have the Mass at dawn, where Christ is the light, like Mm. the light coming into the day at dawn. And then this day, the fourth of the Masses, is the Mass at day, where we talk about the boy is born. (laughs) That's Uh literally what the text means. Mm. Uh, A a son is born, a boy is born to you, and a son is given to Mm. you. And he shall reign, um, uh, his reign uh, shall be uh, um, over you all. So this is a text from Isaiah. And what's so wonderful about especially these introits is that they're like uh, a foretaste of the mysteries that we celebrate that day. That's embodied in the text. This text is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And so if I, um, you know, um, 
And then it's paired with a psalm, Psalm 98. The psalm is, um, I will sing to the Lord a new mm-hmm. song who has done wonderful things. Mm-hmm. So we see something from the prophet, something from the psalms. This is the Catholic way of reading scripture. Amen. that We see Christ as the fulfillment of all these things. Christ is the fulfillment of the prophets. He's the fulfillment of everything proclaimed in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And we see that proclaimed in Christ. Mm-hmm. And and we sing, um, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. This is a Christian way, a mm-hmm. Trinitarian way of singing this text. Wonderful. And it's something that, especially with its opening melody, you hear a very distinctive thing at the very beginning. I can't think of Christmas without thinking of that little tune. Yeah, that was when beautiful. When you embed yourself in the music, it becomes a color with which to taste and to experience all the riches of the feast of that day. Wow. With that, let's listen to it, and we'll be back uh, with uh, Dr. Jennifer in uh, on Notes from Above. Oh, Oh, I see. 
was the Puenatus, and it's uh, sung by E. Cantori Gregoriani uh, of the Choral Ensemble of the Order of the Frati Minori in Busto Arsizio. Uh, I, I, I actually could hear the church, and <laughs> there's an echo that was just running through that. I don't know if, if uh, our listeners could pick that up, uh, but uh, that was quite quite something to, to hear. Sister, you were talking about something. Uh, yeah, but I have to read the text. I know, Doctor, you... you quoted the text, but I just have to read it again if you don't mind. Um, Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 6, and it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now, doctor, does the rest of that verse, is the rest of that verse sung where it says the government will be upon his shoulder? His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Is that included in that? Yes, exactly. Okay. Who you yeah, it, oh. it keeps going. <laughs> okay, I love that. And then I, I never really paid attention before to how you said that's also paired with Psalm 98, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. What more marvelous thing could have happened that he sent his son in the flesh? What more? What more? You know? Anyway, I get excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> as 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 we should, all of us. Uh, yeah, but the, uh, wonderful performance, and and uh, I'm so glad that we were having an opportunity to uh, uh, have that, um, uh, so that people could hear that. And we, by the way, in just a moment, we're going to be listening to another um, um, piece from that same recording. By the way, it's it's from a recording called Gregorian Advent and Christmas. It's on Fine Tune Records. It was released in 1998. So it's got a little bit of age on it, but um, quite a quite an interesting uh, work of art. So could I ask my question? Did sure, you yes, please do. Okay, I so love, now I want to be in your class, but you're a little bit too far away from me. Um, but you were talking about the three basic qualities of sacred music, and I got stuck on the first one that it's holy, that it's meant to put us into contact with God, that it's meant to glorify God. And I, you know, absolutely. You know, that's something that, that we know and I've, I've heard. Here's my concern. Today, w- what we see, music sort of bleeding, if you will, into the church is music that is not necessarily holy. It's not necessarily music that focuses on the Lord, but it's all about me. Do you have any words to say to that? Yeah, you know, I think it comes from a desire of people to relate the gospel to a world in need of the gospel. Hmm. And that's a really admirable thing. And I think we always have to affirm that. Okay. But, you know, I think the most relatable thing is the thing which the heart desires most. Hmm. You know, like we, we, we can't feed people what we think think that they want mm-hmm. but what they need and they need God Amen. and I think that when people hear something that you you hear something that like clearly you hear this um, and you think of God actually there's this whole interesting genre of, of videos on YouTube <laughs> that mm. maybe your listeners might be interested in but there's just like people listening to music from totally foreign cultures. Yeah. So I, there's this um, <laughs> series of videos of like people like um, Arab Bedouins who have no <laughs> contract with yeah. Christianity okay. so, whatsoever. No. Sure. Sitting uh, there listening to Gorian chant and they hear 
this is something prayerful. This is something beautiful. Wow, it's transcendent. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to um, move uh, to our next selection so we can uh, close we're the first back half. To this. Yes, we'll come back to this conversation. It's great. We're going to listen to an Alleluia Dia sancti, uh, Sanctificatus. Let's listen to it, and on the other side, we'll be back on Notes from Above.
Welcome back to Notes From Above, the program that explores the intersection of music and faith. I am your co-host, Deacon Tom Lowy. And I'm Sister Sarah Burdick, and this is a wonderful show. I think so, I think too. so. How yes. did you manage this? Oh, never mind. I don't want to get off track. I'll ask <laughs> yeah, you later. because I, I will get off track I know. Very I'll, I'll ask you later. We just, by the way, there was a beautiful performance um, by the uh, the monks of Norcia uh, from a recording called Benedicta, the Marian chant uh, from Norcia. They sing uh, is, as one. Uh, there's, it's just so beautifully uh, performed. And, and uh, I don't want to point too much attention to the performance, but that is a spectacular uh, uh, performance of that, of that Salve Regina that we just heard. And I, uh, I just discovered that um, our guest today, Dr. Jennifer donaldson Nowicka, is, um, is somewhat uh, involved in uh, the teaching of those monks uh, yeah. doc, Dr. Jennifer, tell us about this. Yeah, so um, they are a wonderful community. There are 19 monks there, uh, just northeast of Rome, in the birthplace of St. Scholastica mm-hmm. and St. Benedict. Mm-hmm. Um, since the earthquake in 2016, they've moved up into the mountain, and um, they sing all of the offices. They sing the Mass. Um, and uh, just recently, I've started coming there a couple times a year, um, and then I do a little bit of follow up online because it's so far away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, te- teaching, teaching them. You know, every monastery um, has uh, all sorts of different voices that come because, um, you know, monks, uh, you know, find their vocation not primarily, usually because of of the music. Sometimes there is a real draw because of, because of the music. And one of the monks on that that recording there is one of the most wonderful singers of Gregorian chant I've ever heard. He's actually um, from. Indonesia, and he discovered chant um, in his youth, and he just started buying books and recordings and learning a lot and teaching himself, and he's just an amazing singer of Gregorian chant. Wow. Um, but, you know, there are other monks there that are just, you know, um, normal men who found their vocation there and, you know, had never really sung much before they went to the monastery, and so, you know, they have a lot to learn, too. Um, but it's it's a wonderful repertory that... Um, People from all different backgrounds, and as that community exhibits all over the world, can enter into and pray. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, one one last thing that must be mentioned because uh, you know, sister and I, uh, when when we discovered that they that uh, one of their callings is to is to uh, uh, brew beer. Uh, <laughs> we got very excited because uh, we've been talking, Sister Sarah and I have been talking for a number of years about about uh, uh, starting a, a show called Notes from a Pub. And, yeah, because uh, there's, a, there's an Irish pub in town and, you know, our show is Notes from Above. And I said to Deacon Tom, we have to do notes from a pub, you know, and I have a friend from Northern Ireland and we could do it. We haven't done it yet. <laughs> so. Uh, Anyhow, I just I, I had to mention that. And apparently, eventually, apparently, it's very good beer. Um, you know, and by the way, I want to go and, and, and say this. Oh, you know, right now, um, Dr. Jennifer, you are a delightful yes. um, guest for us today. You, you're very, very informed. You love to teach. It's obvious uh, right from the very beginning. You know, as soon as, soon as you started talking, I went, wow, this woman really knows her stuff. And speaking of that. Um, now you sit on the board of the Catholic Institute of Sacred Music, but you are, are now doing a, a graduate level studies for lay students at the seminary. Uh, and, um, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that as well so that people can know what, what you're doing and perhaps they might be interested in, in following up on, on this, this new project. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I have my regular work with the seminarians, which is wonderful. You know, I direct the school, I play for masses, teach them voice lessons, teach classes. And that is um, a delight to be able to work with men devoting their lives to God and discovering the role of music, the role of beauty in their vocations and their lives as priests. Um, so that's one part of what I do. But the other part, that, um, since moving to St. Patrick's Seminary, I founded something called the Catholic Institute of Sacred Music. And it's a little bit of a continuation of the work that I was doing at the seminary in, in New York for almost a decade. And it's, you know, there's such a need for this beauty in the lives of people. And the music um, of Gregorian chant exists, but it needs people to bring it into being. You know, music mm-hmm. is something that has to be created again and again and again through the in the hearts of people but also in their breath and mm. their vocal folds and their conducting and how they structure programs and how they understand what the church is trying to teach us about praying in this way about really worshiping god and so that's the formation that we give at the catholic institute of sacred music and we do that both through um, summer primarily summer graduate level coursework and eventually will be a, a degree program a master's of sacred music um, but for right now we are offering program um, summer courses this last summer we had 12 classes History of sacred music, Latin, choral directing, choral singing, organ improvisation, um, singing Gregorian chant for beginners, singing Gregorian chant for more advanced students, directing Gregorian chant, teaching Gregorian chant children. Wow. All these really important practical things. We had a class called Parish Sacred Music Program Management. Is that that you know, like let's say you're in a parish and you need to take your program to the next level. How do you strategically plan for that mm-hmm. in a way that draws people in and really helps them enter into what you're doing, which is really not just a single person or a single priest's mission. It's the mission of the church Amen. to draw people to Christ mm-hmm. and beauty in the church's lived musical treasury has a particular capacity in our time to do that. We want to empower lay people to do that. We also offer things for the general public. You know, every uh, fall and spring semester, we have a series of online workshops that people can enter into from all over. I have people from all over the world. Now, if people want to access that, how would they do that? Mm -hmm. How would they they take part in an online course? Catholic... Yep, catholicinstituteofsacredmusic.org. Go to our website. Okay. You'll see all the stuff that we're offering, which is a huge amount of stuff. So it's Catholic, uh, Catholic... Catholic Institute <laughs> of Sacred Music. Got it. .org. Dot .org. O-R-G. Got yeah. it. Okay, yep. very good. Very good. Well, listen, let's go on to our next selection here. This is also uh, from the um, the recording, uh, Benedicta, Marian, uh, Marian Chant from Norcia. Um, and this is the Ave Maria Virgo Serena. This is a sequence. Can you give us a little setup on it? Yeah. So Gregorian chant exists, but um, it's not the end of Catholic creativity. Yes, we absorb this chant, but we still create new things. And sequences are a form of that. Mm. So a sequence was kind of a, a poet, a poetic um uh, using or a, a, a meditation on a particular feast day. And it was sung after the Alleluia. This is a particular sequence for the Feast of the Annunciation. What is the Feast of the Annunciation in um, Scripture, in God's economy of salvation? This is a, a, a meditation on that. And the, it's such a beautiful text. If I can give you a little bit of the translation. Sure. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. O serene virgin. Blessed are you among women, who you who bore peace for humankind and glory for the angels. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
He who makes us heirs through grace so that we might be his. But through this Ave, so pure and contrary to the law of flesh, you, O star, through a new birth, brought forth your offspring, the new son. It's a beautiful meditation. Oh, it is. The incarnation and birth of Christ. Thank you very much. Let's listen to it. And on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more with Dr. Jennifer Donaldson. Holy 
That's so lovely. The Ave Maria, Virgo Serena. That is serene. That is unbelievably mm. beautiful and seamless. Uh, these voices are just like together as one. And I suspect that that's the way we should all be, shouldn't we? We should all be as one. Amen uh, you know, to that. In, in our, our, uh, um, when, when we are worshiping in Mass, okay, we are all in mm-hmm. one. And I guess that's part of the joy of, of uh, Gregorian chant. Mm-hmm. It truly is. So, uh, you know, Jennifer, uh, this, um, by the way, when I was listening to this, I, you, know, you say you've been there to teach these, these men. Um, uh, I, I actually hear the room itself. And is it a, is is it a chapel that they're singing in, or, or is it is it a, a larger church? Um, yeah, this is it's a it was um I believe this recording was made um in the basilica in the um center of Norcia. I, I actually oh, this don't is before the earthquake then probably. Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, and that's right, a which had a really thing. resonant, beautiful acoustic. But that's that's the way that chant should sound, right? That, oh yeah, it actually makes the building sing. Yes, that's sings. right. Yeah, the, the building does sing. Right. Yeah, there's there's hang time up there, and uh, mm-hmm. it is something that uh, uh, you know that we can delight in. Uh, it, it just uh, it's almost like a halo, like in painting. Yes. You know, you have a halo mm. emanating from the head to show the sacrality of it, and that live acoustic gives that feeling of transcendence. Mm-hmm. And this is why you know, like when um, when people are in parishes with carpet. <laughs> It's so hard, you know. Um, sure. I would encourage anyone who's ever on a building committee to, um, and the, as the USCCB does in its guidance for sacred music, to, to consider taking out carpets and mm. things which absorb sound Amen. and take away that effect. Amen. Well, we're going to go on to our next selection here. This is the uh, Concordi uh, Laetitia. Uh, I, I hope I pronounced that properly. Uh, and I, I think it means with harmonious joy, uh, with sadness repelled. Can, can you tell us a little bit about this, and then we'll go right into it. This is a hymn uh, to uh, the Virgin Mary, and just like a lot of hymns that we experience at Mass, um, it has the same music and different verses, so different sets of texts on the same melody. And so some of the verses go like this, with harmonious joy, with sadness repelled, the church recalls Mary's praise, O Virgin Mary, who with happy joy, the Lord having risen, flowered like a lily, beholding her son alive, O Virgin Mary. I think it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. image of the source of Mary's joy is her son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a source of joy, the delight that we can take in Gregorian chant too. It's not something maybe that I have, um, you know, a, 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 an affinity towards through my background and my upbringing that I was you know, some people have that background. I, I didn't. Um, but it's something that I was able to hear and perceive, a joy given to me by the church. Mm. It's the proclamation of the good news in a way that has been lived by and sung by centuries and centuries of saints mm. with rich texts and beautiful melodies. It's the, the single most rich body of melody in any um, part of the world. You ask any uh, music historian, ethnomusicologist, what is the most diverse, most rich body of melody in human history? It is Gregorian chant. Well, so, with, yes, that's with a, that, a beautiful. We're, we're going to yes. go right into it here. Uh, this is Concordi Letizia, and uh, we'll listen to it. And on the other side, we'll be back on Notes from Above. Concordi Letizia, Maria, 
Just lovely. Concordia Letizia. Now, I want to go and mention to you folks who are listening, uh, there is going to be a panel discussion on sacred music and Catholic liturgy, and it's going to, uh, Dr. Jennifer Donaldson is going to be with us, um, Dr. Charles Weaver, Dr. Janet Smith, Alex Begin, and of course, I'll be there as well. And this is going to be on November the 5th. Put this on your, on your calendar. November the 5th at 2 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. The admission is free. Okay, so you can just come on in and, and, and listen to a wonderful conversation about sacred music and Catholic liturgy, and it's sponsored by the St. Cecilia Guild of St. Thomas, uh, the Apostle Church in Ann Arbor, which I am so honored to be able to serve there. Well, you know, we're going to go and uh, take ourselves to a close. I want to go and thank you, uh, Dr. Jennifer. This was a wonderful, yes, wonderful thank conversation. thank you so much. And we're going to end with um, a, a little bit, this, this is not Gregorian chant anymore. This is this is the next step up, okay? We're going to listen to uh, Jasquin de, de Pre uh, and his, uh, uh, his composition Virgo Serena. And uh, thank you for listening to Notes from Above, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>